Welcome to another amazing episode of Kazi's Audio Experience. This is the podcast where we're not only going to sharpen our technical skills, but we're going to learn to become profitable as filmmakers. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another live. Today, we're going to be talking about what and which monitors to look for when it comes to color grading in 2020. Okay. Now, guys, before I even jump in, I have a request for you guys. Right now, we're running a campaign for my nephew um, who is who has NF. It's a di disorder where kids develop benign tumors and then those tumors can turn into a real thing. So people can lose eyesight, um, you know, people can, you know, lose motory functions and then the list goes on, okay? It can get really, really ugly. So we're raising money for a... Uh, foundation that's in the Midwest. So the link is in my bio. It's the first link. I will very much appreciate and encourage all of you guys. If you love me um, and if you're invested in me as I'm invested in you, I would love for you to donate anything. $5, $10, 50 bucks. Like it'll make you feel better and you're going to be helping out a lot of people out there that are in need. All right, so let's jump right in, okay? So today we're going to be covering tons of stuff. I'm super stoked. And this information, the purpose of this live is to take out the guesswork for you, okay? Because there's way too many options out there. There's too much happening right now. Too many companies are putting out monitors. What to get? Should you get a TV? Should you get a monitor? you know, gamma shift and this and that, like everybody's confused. Too much is happening right now. You know, the, should we still stay in SDR? Should we go to HDR? You guys know exactly what I'm talking about. So I'm going to be demystifying majority of that stuff. And I just want to give you something, a peace of mind. I want to give you something that you need to know right now to just start hitting home runs. Okay. So Let's just jump right in. Do not forget, this is about a color grading monitor, not a regular video monitor. A regular video monitor, you can pick it up for 50 bucks, garage sale, whatever you want. This is going to be, you know, more about like getting a proper monitor where you can trust your screen when you're grading. So let's start with what to look for in a monitor. So the first thing that you need to look for in a monitor is a bit depth, okay? Bit depth, most of the monitors out there, the cheaper monitors are going to be 8-bit. I don't think anybody's making 6-bit monitors. So 8-bit is going to be, you know, like how your camera shoots in 8-bit like Sony and it has banding. Well, the monitors work the same way. If your monitor has 8-bit, you know, uh, bit depth, then when you're looking at the image, even if it's shot on red in 16-bit camera or, you know, Ari Alexa in 12-bit, when you're looking at it on 8-bit display, it's gonna have banding because now you have a bottleneck on your display, not like your camera, okay? So that is, again, a very pro tip and a very important concept to understand that you need a monitor that's higher bit rate, okay? Now, 10-bit monitors get a little pricey, but don't be confused by when you're looking at the marketing material and it will say 10-bit processing. That is not 10-bit color depth. That's different. 10-bit processing is different, okay? This is some BS, that loophole that they found, you know, that all the companies are marketing, like, get this monitor for $200 and it has 10-bit processing. That's not, that's not the same as, like, 10-bit, you know, bit depth, uh, what it's outputting. So that's very important to remember, okay? So bit depth 
it just keep that in mind. That's a very important factor, especially when you're grading. Second thing that I'm going to talk about here is color gamut. Color gamut is like, you know, Rec. 709, sRGB, and, and most of the monitors will cover sRGB, which is very close to Rec. 709. But if you're going to be grading, you want a monitor that specifically has Rec. 709 and it covers 100% of Rec. 709 gamut. Okay, then you got Rec. 2020, you got like DCI P3 monitors. We're going to talk about those two, and I'm also going to tell you what you need to focus on right now instead of worrying about Rec. 2020 and all those things. Third, you know, thing here is uh, contrast ratio. And you you guys have seen, right, like 1,000 to 1 contrast ratio, 1,300, 1,500 to 1 contrast ratio, 2,000 to 1 contrast ratio. Some monitors will have a million to 1 contrast ratio. So I'm going to take you through exactly each monitor and each, you know, TV and then their specs like in, in um in the near future right here. And then the last thing that I want to talk about is brightness. Brightness will be determined in uh, nits. So or or CDM2 like you know M square. So like it's going to be either CDM square or it's going to be nits. But nits is more common when you're googling something and just looking up, you know, what's what. So you're going to have 300 nits like a monitor that, you know, outputs 300 nits, 350 nits, 500 nits, 1000 nits. Some monitors will say that they output 1600 or 1500 nits, but it's not really that. Like they're actually, there's a, there's a bottleneck somewhere where it doesn't output through and through like on the entire screen, like that, you know, nit that it says that it does. Like it'll only output 200 to the entire screen, but like one area could get brighter. So all those things you have to keep in mind, especially when you're, because we're content creators, right? Like we are actually grading for, people to view our content on any and every screen. So we want to make sure that we're working with the best screen that we can afford. So then when we see the accurate representation, then we know that, okay, this is as good as it's going to get. Now, if there is a little, you know, shift, like a hue shift or this or that, like the brightness is not up there or brightness is too much, Everything is going to be covered because I covered all my bases. I trusted my monitor when I was grading it. So let's jump into next things that I want to talk about here. And it's right here. Brands that I trust. None of these brands pay me. I have no association with these. So and it goes in this order. Okay. So I'm going to deep dive and tell you why in this order. But brands that I trust, number one has to be Sony. Um, and you know, and, and there is more into it, right? Like, why do I trust Sony? And I want to talk about it really quick because this is what happened. So I bought this monitor. I shared it with you guys, the BVM uh, 310, HX310, which is like their top of the line monitor. It's like $35,000 after tax and everything. So I got that monitor. I wanted it to, uh, I wanted a uh, firmware update on it. So I ordered the monitor. And then I found out that it was it had an old firmware update. So I'm like, guys, I need a new firmware update. What got, what can you guys do? And they were like, well, we can't get to it until next Monday. And I'm like, that's too late. It was like Friday or Thursday or something. I'm like, that's too late. I want it done. I'm working on a project, blah, blah, blah. They go, okay, there's only two places in LA. They actually closed one down during the pandemic. So they only have one spot open um, that is you know sony authorized store that do, actually it is by sony that calibrates your monitors and takes care of all that stuff and like you know does updates and all that they push me through the line they 
processed the entire thing. They did the firmware update. And then they called me at 4.45 p.m. And they said, our office closes at 5 p.m. When can you get here? I'm like, I'm about an hour and a half away. I'm not going to be there till 6, 6.15. And they go, no problem. We'll just keep the office open. I mean, we're talking about a Sony like office, like an actual corporate building that they're just like, no problem for one person. They're like, we're going to keep it open for you. Like, just get here whenever you can. So this is the kind of customer service. This is, these are the kind of things that when you spend a lot of money, you want people to take care of you. You don't want them to treat you like just like another number, you know, like another dollar in the bank. So that goes a long way, especially with me. Okay. Because I, I value this a lot. Um, and I think it's huge customer service and quality control. Another thing that I love about these brands is quality control. Like what you get out of the box most of the time is ready to go. So that is a huge factor when you're spending this much money, they actually come with a sheet that's going to give you exact calibration numbers. It'll tell you that, Hey, it was tested a month ago on this day. And then here are the numbers that you can then send out to like, if I'm trying to get you know, Dolby Vision license, I need to send in a document with my BVM saying that it was calibrated a week ago and it's up to snuff. Like I'm ready to go, you know, I can become certified in Dolby Vision grading, if you will. So these are the brands that I trust. Moving on. Now I wanna talk about like the monitors that I would recommend and why I would recommend those monitors, okay? So like I said, you know, uh, Spare no expense. I'm just going to be talking about what's the best and then we're going to go down the line. Okay, like budget monitors, but budget options. So the first one has to be the Sony BVM series. Again, they used to have the uh, HX300, which was like the go to monitor. It was OLED. It was a go to monitor in Hollywood. A lot of people are still using it. But now they came up came out with the HX310, uh, which is what I have. And I can tell you right now, I mean, I was the first to admit it that I talked a lot of shit about like, you know, yes, monitors matter, blah, 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 all that matters. Like I get it. I got to be honest with you. I was freaking blown away when I got this monitor. When I got this freaking monitor, I'm telling you, I was blown away. Um, the quality, what you get is it's almost, it's justifiable. I mean, the price is out of control, right? $35,000. Like I can buy a freaking nice, uh, brand new three series like BMW for that much money. Right? So it's kind of crazy that it's that much money. I'm going to be honest with you. It is out of control. Let me just give you, uh, uh an example. So this monitor BVM, um, HX 310 is a million to one contrast ratio. Okay. My, so a million to one, these are just numbers, right? You're just like, what does that even mean? Like who cares, blah, 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 marketing tactics. Let me just tell you this. The ISO CG3 uh, or 279X, which is an amazing color grading monitor and a monitor that I recommend highly, a monitor that I recommend highly is a 1300 to one contrast ratio. So now think about it, a million to one to 1300 to one. And the different is out of control. Like when you see the two screens next to each other, you just go, no, that can't be right. Like something is not set up right on this monitor. Like it just can't be this washed out, but it really is. Okay. So why does it matter? Or does it even actually matter when you're grading? It matters 
the entire world. Like it matters, everything depends on that contrast ratio when you're really getting in there and just like taking a little bit more out of it, like more pop, more pop, more pop. I'm not kidding. Since I got that monitor, my color grading just feels like it just went from here to like here all of a sudden because the pop that I'm getting in my images and how easily I'm getting that, I just could not, I can never have seen that before the things that I'm seeing now. So it, it's out of control, but anyways, so that would be my first recommendation. If you can, if you can afford it, BVM would be the first choice, obviously. There's a reason for it, like all, and, and not to mention that it is um, used in Hollywood. Um, you can grade HDR movies, you can do Dolby Vision in it, it's thousand nits. So like, I mean, it's just ready to go for Netflix, Hulu, all of those things, okay? So you'll, you'll be ready to go. The second choice is going to be uh, PVM uh, by uh, by Sony, so it's PVM, uh, and they have different models, A250 and things like that, and those are OLED. Like that is probably the only 25-inch OLED uh, professional reference-grade monitor that's you know left. But if you can afford that, and the thing is, you can get a killer deal on it. If you Google it, you can find it for like five to six grand, and you might think that that's a lot of money for a monitor, but for a professional monitor, uh, that is. OLED and it, it it's when when I put my I, I had a PVM for like five days when I put PVM next to my Sony HX310 the contrast ratio and majority of the stuff was just right there obviously BVM is way better because it's 4k it's HDR all that stuff but most of it like it would get so close okay so PVM is an like epic choice if you can afford it, $5,000, around 5,000 to 6,000. If you can find it, you can barely find those because they're OLED, so nobody like want to sell them. They just wanna hold on to them. The third choice has to be Flanders Scientific. Uh, Flanders is epic, right? Because Flanders um, makes amazing monitors and there's multiple tiers that I recommend from Flanders. It's a smaller company, so they will they might take care of you even more because they're competing with the giant like Sony. So Flanders uh, Scientific XM series is supposed to rival the HX310 and I've heard epic things about it. I haven't talked to one person that said anything bad about that monitor. Um, XM uh, 310 or 311, XM311. It's an amazing monitor. Um, I've seen it um, at one of the shows in Vegas and it was just a nab last year, I believe, and it was just out of control. It's so good. So XM, same price point, $35,000, something like that. Then you got Flan Flanders Scientific DM series. I used to own a DM240 last year and the only reason why I got rid of it is because contrast ratio is so important to me. So I switched to OLED and then I got rid of my uh, DM240. But one thing that I always missed was the color accuracy. Like the DM240 was just so much more color accurate than my old B6. I had a, I had a LG B6 that had a very strong green tint. Um, and that, that's the kind of thing that's like really hard to get rid of, okay? So um, anyways, Flanders, DM240 will be a highly recommended choice if you can afford it. It's gonna be around uh, $4,500 you know, to $5,000 again. And then let's get into a little bit of like the budget options. I'm gonna talk about ISO CG uh, series. Excellent choice, I have it like right here. So it's the 279X 
that's the model number, or anything that you can pick up in CG series, even if you get the 24 uh, inch version, if you can find it, like, you know, go for it, you can save a few bucks. Um, it has 350 nits, so more than capable for SDR color grading. And then it has, and guys, that's all you need to worry about right now, okay? HDR, I would say, is still about a couple of years out, okay? When it's going to become the thing. It's going to become a thing when um, YouTube adopts, like, Dolby Vision, meaning, like, where you can have multiple trims under the same metadata, meaning, like, when I upload a file, I have multi multiple trims, meaning... If you are watching it on your end and you have an uh, SDR or HDR monitor, it will kick it into HDR and you're going to get to see HDR image. But if you're watching it in SDR, it will kick it to my SDR version and give you that. So right now we have something similar, the PQ curve, which is supposed to be, you know, kind of like that or HLG, but they're not 100% what Dolby Vision does, where it gives you full control, where in DaVinci Resolve, I can create different trims. Okay, so um, that's a little bit out. So don't worry about that. So this is why I have this monitor up here. ISO um, CG series is unreal for what you will need in 2020. So 350 nits, it covers 100% uh, of yeah, Rec. 709. It covers 98% of DCI-P3, which is massive. Uh, even if you're working on like, you know, movies or something like that, you can literally, for the most part, you can get there. Um, but the biggest Achilles heel that I feel with ISO, uh, that I got to be honest with you, is the contrast ratio. The contrast ratio is 1300 to 1, and that is just the problem with LCDs. It's really hard to get higher contrast ratio. So you will see tons of blooming around like brighter objects, and it's kind of difficult to uh, to like really isolate and get the pure like dark blacks. It's really, really hard to get that. Um, but again, you know, that's the price you pay if you go with budget options, and that's what's happening there. Then I will go down to like the cheapest option here would be BenQ um, SW series. Do not go lower than SW. Like don't buy anything else from BenQ because those are just like video monitors. They're not color grading monitors, but their SD SW series is channeled towards people that are a little bit more serious about, you know, f if you're working on photos and you want accurate colors, or if you're working on video, you want accurate colors. And then they have like different settings that you can choose. Now, uh, one monitor that I obviously forgot to mention here that like is blowing my mind, how the hell can I do that? Um, was the Apple XDR. And the only reason why I didn't mention it there is because I just got it like a week ago. This monitor is the best monitor you can buy under fifteen to $18,000. Like, quote me on it. Throw it out there. I'm, I'm owning it, okay? I'm not, I'm not just making up something, you know, without testing it. This Apple XDR sits right next to my... BVM, a $35,000 monitor. So yes, I can tell you that Apple screwed themselves over big time when they competed their XDR to the HX310. That was a bad move on their marketing team. I love Apple, but I'm taking a shot at you right now. Like you guys really messed up comparing yourself with that because my example for that is that, you know, BMW M3 is an amazing car. It's a sports car in its own right. It's a great car, but you don't compare that to Ferrari Enzo. You just don't do that. You know, it, it, like they're in a league of their own, right? So they did that. 
And then they started getting a lot of hate from the pros. Now that said, the pros are just overdoing it. They're just like hating on it hardcore just because it was compared to like $35,000 monitor. But when you stop the noise and when you don't listen to that, take a word from somebody that sits here and grades all day every day and has both of these screens next to each other, I can tell you it literally blows my ISO CG out of the water. Like ISO in front of my XDR looks like a $10 monitor. It, it just, I mean, that might offend some people, but I'm not joking. Like this XDR is out of control great. That said, their biggest Achilles heel is their... Uh, dimming zones like the zone system that they're using it's only 500 um, led dimming zones basically meaning if there's a really bright object around it usually a pretty massive like i wouldn't go as far as like halo but it's not like what you would see on the bvm where or on the oled where the pixels just like cut out right like the black is pure black the pixels are not even turned on whereas here you know they're still using lcd technology so you will still see like a little bit of like haze, if you will. But again, the contrast ratio and everything is the best that I've seen, like I said, under fifteen to $18,000 monitor. Not to mention that it comes with a, uh, you know, different display profiles. Now, that's one thing that I want to talk about that I've learned from Dado uh, Valentic, and I want to talk about it. So scene referred and display referred. Okay, two things very important that you need to know when... People that are always driven crazy because you work in Resolve and something looks like something and you export it and it looks like something else, like what is really going on? To simplify all of that, I mean, we can make a whole like mini course on that, but to really simplify it, I will just say this. Scene referred is the you know, setup that you're doing in DaVinci Resolve. So DaVinci Resolve by default is Rec. 709 Gamma 2.4. Okay, so that is scene referred. I'm working in this space. When I, now what are you looking at on your screen? What is that display capable of and what is it set to? So a lot of the people, including myself, used to have tons of problem with the iMac and uh, MacBook Pros and never really understood back in the day what was causing that issue. And the problem was that iMac and MacBook Pro are both uh, set to DCI-P3. They're, they're in their P3 color space, right? So both of those displays, you know, now that's where the display re uh, referred gets in, right, into play. So not only you have to set your scene referred, like the space that you want to work in, you want to make sure that your output, like, you know, display is actually set correctly as well to match that scene referred you know, that you set up in DaVinci Resolve. So then the display referred needs to be exactly the same. Um, that's why I never, 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 ever recommend anyone to grade on their GUI monitor. You just cannot do that. You need to have a secondary monitor that is going through a box, like an Ultra Studio or Aja box or some sort of IO box where you can bypass that color profile that, you know, your operating system puts on. We're gonna talk about it in a minute. But anyway, so these are my uh, recommendations. Now we're gonna get into a monitor setup. That is very important, okay, to understand in this order um, that I'm gonna take you through. So for your primary monitor, 
you want to set that baby up uh, through a display port so then you can get 10 bit. Most of the monitors, even including my ISO, won't give me 10 bit through HDMI. So it has to go through a display port to give me a 10 bit image, okay? So you need to take advantage of it or else like, I, I don't know why that is, but these are the things that they don't really make it apparent when you buy a product. So many people that I would know that are using their, you know, ISO CG in 8-bit because they have it connected through HDMI and they never even thought about it. So I don't know why that is, why don't they make it apparent, but you need to remember this. You have to connect it through a display port to get 10-bit and take advantage of that display. Second thing that I'm gonna tell you is that, again, you need a second monitor to grade on. Like you do not wanna grade on your GUI. You need a second monitor. And then the second monitor will be connected through an HDMI. And then the third thing that you need for this proper color grading pipeline when you're monitoring is a BMD, Blackmagic Designs Ultra Studio mini box. Now I'm saying Blackmagic, you can pick up Aja, I feel like, and you'll be fine. But uh, you can use the Ultra Studio mini, which is a super cheap $150 like IO device, which basically is just taking a feed from your computer and you know putting it on your display without any uh, thing applied to it. So it's bypassing everything and it's just basically focusing on your scene referred color space. So whatever that is, like Rec 709, you know, uh, Gamma 2.4, it is sending that signal through. Then it's your job to set up your monitor to be in that color space too. So you're gonna set the gamma to 2.4 and you're gonna set you know, um, your gamut to Rec. 709. That's something that you need to do manually to like have the two communicate and not have any miscommunication there. Um, okay, so uh, another thing that I wanna talk about is X-Rite i1 Display Pro. It's a probe. It's a thing that you will use to calibrate your monitor and it's probably the cheapest option, the, the one that I recommend. Don't go with Spider or anything else. Um, I just heard like tons of random stuff about it, okay? So I would go with X-Rite um, i1 Display and uh, you download their free software and it's super self-explanatory. Like you just follow instructions, it's like four step process until you slap on this probe on your screen make sure that your lighting environment is exactly how you will be grading. So like right now, this is not the proper, you know, grading environment. So usually my room is, you know, pure black and then I have bias lighting. So once I have that set up, I drop on my probe, I let my monitor calibrate and then I move on. So this is the setup I recommend for if you're gonna be going the monitor route. Very important to know, okay? Now we're getting into TV recommendations. And for TV recommendations, I will say, I will suggest there's only these two options and I will say look no further, okay? So the first one is gonna be Panasonic. If you are lucky enough to get your hands on GZ series, it's amazing. It's GZ 1000, GZ 2000. These are recommended by Company 3. I mean, if Company 3 gets behind something, you know, like, I mean, then it's legit, okay? I've used a Panasonic FZ 1000 um, at, a, at a studio and I can tell you right now, I was blown away and uh, it wasn't even calibrated. It was factory calibrated. Like, I mean, it just came from the factory calibrated to a point where I was like, whoa, like it's blowing my mind to how close it is and how good it looks. So I was absolutely blown away by it. Excellent option if you can find it. Those are super hard to find and they're kind of expensive. They're like 4,500 to like $6,000. Second option, 
uh, much more affordable. You can find it anywhere. Best Buy, freaking, I don't even know, man. Walmart, like Amazon, anywhere. You can have it by today is LG OLED. And uh, the older options were C9, um, but I recommend, I highly recommend going with the latest one, C10. Um, they improve tons of different things, right? So uh, you guys remember I used to have my big screen in the middle. So one of the biggest issues I had in the past is the lag, right? So monitors are super responsive. Like you move the mouse around and everything and it's so quick and it's just so responsive, it's awesome. Well, TVs are not like that. They're super laggy. So you just feel it like, I mean, I'm like here, but then my cursor is here and it's super annoying. It'll drive you crazy if you're using it day in and day out. So um, the C10, when you put it in game mode, done. The problem is gone. Like as soon as you set it to game mode, it is probably the fastest thing you've ever used. So like you move your cursor around and everything. And again, that is important for people that are going to be using uh, their main screen as a reference monitor and GUI monitor, you know, as a GUI. So for those, very, very important to know, you can, you know, throw it in a game mode and it's epic. Um, and it gets, you know, it's easy to calibrate and all that. So I highly recommend it. Now let's talk about the setup for TVs. So for TV setup, obviously TV is going to be your second screen. So it's not going to be used as a GUI. You're going to hook it up with HDMI because that's the only option you have for most of the TVs. And uh, then you're going to get a Ultra Studio Mini or Mini 4K, same thing. So you can just bypass the color pro profile and send a clean signal through. And then um, the probe that I will recommend for a TV because your X-Rite 1 display will not work. I've tried it. It messes up everything. It's just not the right tool to use. So the tool that you want to get is a, about six $700. It's Kalman's uh, C6 HDR 2000. Um, again, like I said, I'm taking the guest workout for you. Like I'm just, I've done all this research. I've spent the money. I've used these tools. And then I'm just talking about it because I don't want to talk about something that I haven't used and I've just read in an article or something like that. So Kalman C6 HDR 2000, once you have that, you're gonna have to buy their software, which is about 100, 150 bucks. I don't know why it's so cheap. They can sell it for $1,000 and people will buy it. But uh, the tool is gonna be, the software is gonna be called Home for whatever. So it could be Kalman Home for LG, Home for Panasonic, Home for Sony. So whatever your TV is, you're gonna buy a software with that. It's Windows only. So my workaround for that was that I had a boot camp um, on my MacBook Pro. So I just used Windows from that. And then I just uh, slapped it on, calibrated it. And it takes a while, man. Like, I mean, you're going to do proper um, calibration for HDR, SDR, and all of that. So look into those options. Excellent um, choices. And then finally, I want to talk about a few pro tips. Okay. And this is... Again, just years of experience doing this and what I've learned and probably this little bit is more valuable than anything um, that you can take away from this. And that would be, um, first thing that I'm gonna tell you is having multiple screens. It is known, pro colorists do it all day every day because time is money. So when you're working, you want simultaneous feeds. Like you wanna see what is happening in multiple places all at once. You don't want to export a still, look at it on your phone and see what is happening. You just want to see it right there and then. And that's why um, I have all this going on, right? So I got my OLED right there. So what is it gonna look like on a TV? I have my XDR. What is it gonna look like on a upper echelon monitor? I have my CG 
27.9x, what will it look like on a monitor that doesn't have the best contrast ratio? And then I got my BVM, which is my reference monitor. That's what I'm working on. Also, I hook up my iPad Pro uh, through Sidecar, which is something that you can Google, you know, Apple Sidecar and see how that works. So I have that going at the same time. So I'm getting five feeds all at once to really know Okay, this is what it's gonna look like when somebody sees it on a mobile device. This is what it's gonna look like if somebody sees it on an average monitor. This is what it's gonna look like when somebody sees it on a TV. This is what it's gonna look like when somebody's looking at it on a banging monitor, okay? So I get to see all of that in one place when I'm grading, so it's very important. And then calibration, um, get, it, get your stuff calibrated you know, once every six months. So that's my recommended way uh, that you guys can, you know, just kind of follow. Okay, every six months, yeah, don't do not do it like every week, every other week. It's not that serious. So just once every six months, you're good. Uh, and then um, I will say um, the last bit here is going to be that pay to get your monitor calibrated. If you have a, an expensive monitor, I promise you it's worth uh, paying the price to just have it calibrated by a professional. You guys, I shared that story with you guys that when I got my BVM, so when somebody spends $35,000 on a monitor, you would think that they, like it will come in calibrated and you don't have to worry about it. Well, I am super anal, I don't care. And I've heard terrible stories, you know, from like people buying Sony monitors and they have a little green tint, just like their cameras. I don't know what's their fascination with the green. But their monitors, even their pro, you know pro, professional monitors, have that little tint, and you got to get it out. So now I read articles, I read about it online, and there are ways that I can do it. Blah blah blah. I did not want it to bother myself with that. I paid five hundred dollars, hired a guy that calibrates like screens at big studios, Warner Brothers, like tens of tons of places in LA. He's a big deal. He's a go-to guy. Hired the dude. He came to my house. He freaking came to my house. I didn't even take the monitor to him. Came to my house, calibrated the monitor, and just killed it. Like, I mean, it did a freaking phenomenal job. At the end, printed a sheet, gave me a sheet, and he's like, there you go. Like, I mean, you're good to go. You can pass this on to Dolby Vision if you're getting certified, and then all that good stuff. So I think the peace of mind goes a long way, and I think... Um, you have to make that investment, especially if you do this for a living and you make, you know, I don't know, like whatever you charge a day, like you can pay for this in less than a day or in a day, uh, if that. So very important step. And that's guys, like, I mean, that basically really wraps up the entire, um, you know, theme of monitors, what to look for, what to get, but more importantly, how do you go about that entire process, right? Like it has to, it all has to come together. It can't be one without the other. So like I mentioned, you know, like in summary, I would say you want to grade on your secondary monitor that is going through an IO box, Ultra Studio or Fromage or whatever. It's going through an IO box, it's sending a clean feed. And then you wanna make sure that your scene referred and display referred, like both things are communicating and set up the right way. And uh, on that note, I'm gonna go through some questions. So if you have any specific questions, start dropping them in right now, and then uh, we'll call it a day, okay? Uh, 4K with small gamut or 1080p with wider gamut? All this wider gamut, resolution don't matter. For the longest time, I when I had an iMac Pro, it wasn't as powerful as like my Mac Pro. 
I would just have my timeline in 1080p and uh, I would just roll on it, you know, so it does not matter. 4K, 8K, 16K, 100K, I don't care. Those things, and especially when you're looking at it on a 27-inch screen, what matters more is like that bit depth, that contrast ratio, and that wider color gamut. So excellent question, man. Loved it. Okay, so this is also a good question. Um, I would say today I would buy a 48-inch um, only because, you know, the optimum distance, right, like from where you are to your TV should be at least like for 5 uh, or 55 inches, like I need to be at least like 5 feet away, 4.5 to 5 feet away before I like really strain my eyes and stuff like that, and that was never the case. It was more like a 3, 3.5 feet always. So I was like pretty close to it. And over time, it does strain, right? Like, I mean, your eyes. And I started to see that, notice, like, how much better things are now. Now that now XDR is, like, my main GUI monitor right in the middle. So, like, I never have to do this action all the time. And with my TV, I had to. So, personally, I think I would, if, if I were to do it today, I would go with 48 inch. All right, so I already answered that, but let's just revisit it really quick. So, no, I don't recommend uh, using the iMac display because, like I said, it's a P3 color space. But more than that, it is magenta bias, and it's almost impossible to get rid of that magenta. Uh, so, Nick, that, yeah, C10 is CX. Um, yeah, so it's CX, it's not C10, like the actual digits like it's just cx roman numeral but yes so i don't recommend uh, grading on that one i said you know like don't grade on your gui if you have a choice and two imac just never done it for me man like anytime i graded anything on an imac it just never looked right so i don't know what it is but on you know now in contrast apple's xdr display is out of control it's like one of the best things that i've used so um you know imac nope I wouldn't recommend grading on that. All right, so Gabi, that's gonna be under like workspaces. So you can do, uh, in Resolve right now, you're kind of restricted to two screens. So what you would do is, this is how I have it set up. So I'll have my primary screen here. I will have my secondary screen on my OLED. I will have my clean feed feature going into my ISO. And then I have an IO box that is going into my BVM. So I got BVM and ISO displaying full screen images. I got secondary screen GUI setup on OLED. I got primary screen right here. Then through sidecar, I can switch between my ISO and my iPad. So right now there, there is no way to have two simultaneous clean feeds like from your software. Um, you can do that. Uh, I guess like I just answered my own question. So I can actually have two feeds. I can have one going into uh, through my IO box. I can have one going to, into BVM and I can have another one going into ISO. Then I can do a software clean feed out to my iPad. And then I'll have three full screen images shown on a reference monitor, a budget grading monitor, and a mobile device to kind of see where everything is. Actually, now that I said it out loud, I'm actually gonna do it. I'm gonna try it and have that setup going, but great question, man. Okay, so Nick, you're right, man. I feel like there's something uh, that's left to be desired on an iPad, like the, the early uh, iPad Pros. I feel like they're kind of washed out and that's why it's really funny, dude. You go on Apple's website or you go on BH do your research, you will never be able to find the contrast ratio 
for an iPad display. It's like uh, Apple is so smart, man. They they figure out a way to just not talk about, you know, omit a lot of information that, you know, is not their strongest suit. So that's one thing that they don't talk about on an iPad Pro. I just looked up the brand new iPad Pro that just dropped a couple of months ago. And I'm like, please give me, like, let me read, you know, the white paper. Give me the contrast ratio. I could not find it. But the great news is the new iPhone is going to be, is going to change everything. So the new iPhone gets me so excited because I feel like because of it, I can tell you right now that we're about one to two years away when it becomes the norm, when HDR is gonna become the thing because this iPhone is gonna push for it like nothing else. So you have 1200 nits, 1200 nits. That's more nits than my BVM, my $35,000 monitor. So 1200 nits, now I don't know if it's constant or not, but still beyond impressive. So the last iPhone had 600 nits. So for their jump from 600 to 1200 is out of control. That's number one. Two, two million to one contrast ratio. Are you kidding me? Now I know for a fact that even their two million to one is not gonna be the same contrast ratio as my BVM, one million to one, only because it's an LCD technology and it's not a dual layer LCD technology. So they're still gonna be blooming and all that. So even with two million, it's gonna be less than one million on my BVM but that two million to one is going to leave everything else in the dust. When you're gonna put it next to your iPad Pro, you would wanna just shatter your iPad Pro because it's gonna look so freaking ugly compared to your iPhone. So blown away by those specs and it gets me very excited because I feel like now they're gonna implement that technology into the next iPad Pro and then that I'm gonna be pre-ordering that. I'm gonna be more excited about that than even the new iPhone. So that is exciting. But yes, I agree with you. The old iPads, like they're kind of whack in terms of like the, the contrast ratio. Daring devices. Yes, brother, you can. You can use C10 um, as your grading monitor and as your GUI because you can have two feeds going into it, right? So you can have a computer HDMI going into it and you can have your IO box HDMI going into it and then you can just switch between the two depending on what it is that you're doing. Use case for DCI P3 is going to be Netflix. So Netflix's, uh, you know, color space is, um, you set it up to DCI P3 uh, in Rec 2020. And then, you know, that is what they prefer. So when you're outputting it, when you're grading something in that space and when you're sending it out, that's what you wanna give them. But the problem is that DCI P3 is a really like super wide color gamut, dude. It's really wide. It's not as wide as Rec 2020, but it's pretty wide. And you cannot, they will not take it if it's graded with anything under, you know, the XM310 or, or HX310 or XM311. Like they actually require you to grade on those monitors. And you can go Google Netflix's color calibration specs, and then you can see the sheet of like all the recommendations. They get super specific. So, Netflix, Hulu, they will require DCI P3, but you will need a crazy monitor that can do that. And then again, see and refer to like display referred. You're gonna make you're gonna make sure that you set up your display to show you know how your scene is set up like in Resolve. Meher just asked about the um, ISO. So, Meher, that's a an interesting uh, thing, and it's like that fine line. I would say do a little bit more digging on ISO and write uh, read their. Uh, white paper and see if it says the HDMI is capable of 10-bit or not because obviously an OLED 
uh, is t a 10-bit monitor because it has to show Dolby Vision stuff. So like my screen, this panel right here is 10-bit. So I'm assuming that through HDMI, it's capable of 10-bit signal, bit depth. So just uh, look into it a little bit more. Say if your monitor uh, HDMI does not um, give you 10-bit output, then what you need to do is you're going to get a converter that is a display port to HDMI converter. So it's going to be a little bit of a twist. So you are going to take, you're going to plug in your monitor into a display port, which is going to go into an HDMI, and then it's going to be an HDMI to an SDI from the other end. So look at those adapters and we can have a bigger conversation about that. There's some, like, I have actually some converters sitting in there that I don't use anymore, but yeah, we can talk about that. But yeah, that's what you would do to uh, get around that. All right, so Naveen asked that 10-bit, 8-bit plus FRC, what's the difference and what is true 10-bit? This is what I was talking about, brother. So great question that you brought up. That's what I was mentioning earlier that they're gonna do that. They'll always say 10-bit, 8-bit, FRC. What that mean is that it's a 10-bit processing, but truly it's an 8-bit bit depth monitor, okay? Um, so don't just get confused. Anytime you see these numbers, just know that it's BS, okay? And then just go with a 10-bit monitor, a true 10-bit monitor, which will say bit depth 10-bit. It will not fill in the holes with something else like 8-bit FRC. It will just say 10-bit, period, the end. Color Chack uh, just asked like, hey, Kazi, you bought a smart scope duo from Blackmagic Design. Uh, how is that? It's not good. I sent it back. I returned it the same day uh, because I'm actually blown away by why Blackmagic would make a device like that unless they fix it. Um, it. It has a latency. So it's like when I'm moving my wheels, it takes like a millisecond to register. And I'm like, that defeats the purpose, man. Like, I mean, it just needs to be snappy. Like I need to see what I see on my screen, like in the GUI. Um, so that just was like the biggest um, you know, killer for me. And I just sent it back right away. It wasn't worth it. Yes, Zach, that's right. The DCI P3 will also be for DCPs. I mean, you know, in theaters, you will also, um, have a DCI P3. That's the color space that you need to use. Um, if you're going to be putting something in like a movie theater. Okay. So Eric is asking uh, which version of X-Rite brother, I got to look into it back in the day. It was X-Rite i1 display pro. That's what you bought. So I haven't bought, I haven't bought that product in like years because now I have the C6 HDR 2000. Um, so I gotta go back and look at it. You know, I just don't know much about, uh, like, don't know much about it. Like different flavors. Maybe you can read about it and see what does, uh, you know, what or if there's anything specific you're looking for. So Douglas just asked, can you grade uh, for theaters in a home studio? So yeah, that's where the display referred comes into play. And that's where these monitors cost so much money. So like here, I can do 600 nits, DCI-P3. I can have a preset set up ready to go. So then I can just kick this monitor into that mode if I know that this is gonna be projected at Harkins or IMAX or something like that. And then I can work in that color space, right? I can even do like blanking. Like, I mean, okay, the aspect ratio is gonna be this. I can like set everything up on my display and then have my scene set up the same way and resolve. So then the two communicate and I actually get to see that this is what it's going to look like on a projector, laser projector, or whatever in a theater. So that's like the concept. Those are the things that are just kind of get like weird, you know, and I feel like people just don't explain it in a simpler way 
they always just make this kind of stuff sound like rocket science and it's not but that's just what you need to understand like you know this person and that person needs to speak the same language to understand each other you know so it's like the software and the hardware needs to be set up the same exact way to give you a true representation of like this is what it will look like in a theater now when you have your bvm set up to that your gui will look like garbage because your gui cannot even show that let's just say it does it can't it handle a certain color space then it will look completely off that's like if you ever kick in um you know your resolve into hdr anytime you set up your hdr uh pipeline you look at your image in your gui and it just looks out of whack it looks completely awful but then if you have a monitor that can handle hdr and take that signal it will look proper you know so when you're grading you're trusting that reference monitor that when it's going to be exported it's going to look like this when it's on netflix hulu vimeo youtube eventually and like then when you throw it in like it will kick it into that gear right like when we're watching something um like our TVs are smart enough now to kick into Dolby Vision or HDR 10 things like that. All right, so how much uh Puneet or Puneet just asked how much does it cost to have a full color grading studio, bro? It uh like these are general questions, right? Like I mean, what are you working on? What are you doing? What's your end goal? Things like that, right? So for me, in full disclosure, I bought the I made that investment to get an HDR monitor. so i can start playing with hdr a lot i've never graded a professional project in hdr okay so i got this to start playing around with it to start understanding that you know color gamut and how everything respond like in resolve get better at it get seasoned at it so when a job comes i can take it one two i'm going to be eventually doing a whole course on hdr grading how to set it up like what goes into it and that whole thing so it takes time i don't i want to be fair to you guys i don't want to just do something that i haven't really done so it's going to take time i made that investment for that reason now if you're working on something else and you don't need all that then you know your budget for a grading studio that you need to get the job done is going to be different right like i mean if you're doing a lot of documentaries and things like that i mean you can have a grading studio under easily under $10,000 you know uh the your one of your biggest purchases are going to be like let's just say apple xdr display which like i said is as good as anything under $18,000 so you get the best bang for the buck you drop 5 grand and you pick up that monitor and then you spend the rest of the money on a computer and then eventually you can drop an additional $1000 to get a panel and then you build from there so you get what i'm saying like i mean you can have a decent studio for that but eventually like when you just want to go all out i mean it can get pretty expensive like the stuff that i have in my room i can either be driving a lamborghini or i have this so i mean it's like that's my choice I, because i'm 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 a geek i'm a nerd like that you know i would rather spend money on this than a car all right so ethan just asked which box do you recommend for someone who is using macbook pro with the thunderbolt 3 ports uh brother simple for that i would say depending on your monitor and if you want to save money go with the ultra studio mini it's 140 bucks you can buy a cheaper used and then just do a get a dongle for thunderbolt 3 to thunderbolt 2 and done so like you know you you spend 30 bucks for the dongle uh 140 or 120 bucks on eBay you can find it cheaper uh for the IO box and you're just ready to go right so i mean you have a clean feed going through and like you have no doubt you know exactly like that it's giving you uh how 
you, what you should be seeing or what you're seeing on Resolve is what you're seeing on your display. How important is bias lighting? And is there a brand that you recommend? Okay, yes, so both, I, I got you. Bias lighting, I think, is very important. I think proper lighting setup is extremely important. The reason why bias lighting is important is because if you are in a pitch black room, that will put a lot of strain on your eyes, right? Like, I mean, you're just looking at a bright screen and there's nothingness, right? So bias lighting uh, balances that out. So like, you know, you have, but then again, it just, it's like a rabbit hole, man. I mean, it's gotta be the whole thing. I mean, you gotta have the 18% gray, room is pitch black, you got the proper color temperature lighting, and the one that I recommend is by Media Light, which is basically FSI by Flanders Scientific. So you can just type in FSI Media Light, Google it, and then it'll take you to Amazon or B&H, and then order your bias lighting from them. And they're the best in the business. I think they're the only brand that are just recommended by the pros. And just get that light, slap it on your monitor, and then just have this thing that can soothe your eyes while you're grading. So it's like, you look at your screen, and then right behind it, there's like this light, you know, that's kind of just like easing off that tension that your eyes will feel when it goes from like bright to pure, you know, black. Zach said he's stoked for the HDR course. Hell yeah, bro. All right, guys, it's been one hour. Don't want to keep you any longer. You guys know how much value I put on time. So appreciate you. Love you guys. So much value here. And uh, I just want to say that outside of like a couple of bad apples, I mean, you guys are unreal. The The quality and the weight and the, the how tangible these conversations are, not just what I say to you, but back and forth, blows my mind, makes me so happy, makes me very content and uh, makes me uh, keep showing up and uh, try to just cram as much information as I can in whichever live that we do. And guys, please, like I said, it will mean the world to me if you can donate whatever you can. I mentioned in the beginning, my nephew has NF. It's a disease where kids or adults like will develop tumors, but most of the time they're benign, but then they can turn into a real thing. You can lose your eyesight, motor functions, things like that. So there's a foundation in, mid in the Midwest that helps people in need. So the link is in my bio. It's the first link. It says donate to NF Midwest. $5, $10, whatever you can. I will very much appreciate it. And it's actually linked to like tethered, tethered to me. So when you donate, they'll know that, you know, this is the cause nation that's, you know, supporting the cause. So I will really appreciate it supporting the cause. Wow, that sounds amazing. Hi right, guys, that said, love you guys. See you next week. As if you enjoyed this episode, share it with friends, subscribe to this channel, and I will see you in the next episode.